0: Welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. I've got um, a few guests with me today, uh, all of them who are running for um, political office, and they're all, also all part of the Solidarity Platform. And I'm gonna go ahead and have them introduce themselves and maybe what they're running for. Uh, starting with you, Candace.
1: Oh, hi, I'm Candace King. I am running for the City
2: Council position for Ward 1.
0: And Ben?
2: Yes, my name is Ben Ricker. I'm an artist and stay-at-home parent. I'm running for City of Eugene, Mayor. My name is
3: Zandi Zinke, and I'm running for mayor. And um, I'm a social worker work for Looking Glass and a mom.
0: Cool. And um, you're all local here in Eugene. And part of this Solidarity Platform, does somebody want to tell me about uh, how Solidary Platform came about and, and what it is?
3: Um, Basically, the Solidarity Platform, um, it has five pillars to it, and I'll speak to those pillars, but the broad idea is that in order to have an empowered democracy, there's so much that needs to happen. But one thing is that regular people, people who are in fact disinclined to run for electoral office because of the structures of politics, we need them running Um, and we so so basically if you are um, somebody who would normally run for office who who is making a career out of it the um, you're likely um, let me frame it a different way if you're not a um, status quo thinker, you are generally disinclined to run for office because you think, well, I don't fit in that box, right? So we are trying to together empower ourselves and empower other people who would feel frankly far too alone in the process to join in. So we're doing this now and we hope to continue doing it in the future and to inspire others to join in.
0: You said we need your voice i mean i know that's one of your um tenants is marginalized perspectives being represented and uh in our culture today we know that there's a lot of vast wealth wealth income disparity and it seems like running for office takes money and that's one of the reasons why people don't do it i think um is joining together is there some way is there some funding aspect to the, the being solidar- and part of a solidarity?
3: Um, well, I can say you're right in terms of when I went to a very left friend and said, okay, so what do you think about people running for mayor? They said, well, they'd have to raise at least $140,000. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is absurd. It's an absurd waste of money when we have so many people who are in dire need, right? So to mm-hmm. spend $140,000 on what is really a sham process at this point, um and and even if it weren't it's just unnecessary we can have publicly funded elections and they can be done rather cheaply by capping everybody right the expenditures of everybody um and having media that will actually cover positions in a meaningful way um so we are not we don't have big fundraising push at all that's not what we're interested in we are interested in what is inherently um a resource of all people and that's the power of people coming together
1: yeah i i just wanted to interject something else um which was that, you know, today is um, April 17th, 2020. We're all um, sheltering in place as a result of a global pandemic. And what we're seeing play out um, as clear evidence to support Zondi's point that we can cap elections. I mean, we don't have to do any fundraising at all, utilizing the free resources that we have in terms of the global information networks. And, um, and further, uh, what does the benefit. What benefits do you um, access by by spending a lot of money on, say, for instance, a mayoral campaign? Uh, I don't want to see more plastic signs go up in neighborhoods. Uh, it's just more waste, <laughs> more plastic into the waste stream, for instance. So, yes, the phenomenal waste happens on the monetary level, but it also happens on the material level, um, which is something that we're trying to resist. Also, so we're encouraging our supporters to make their own signs, for instance, out of reusable materials.
0: So I guess I have to ask if there's a sense that the process is messed up and that there's sort of a sham you know idea about it, why are you guys running? Yeah.
3: Um, well, I can say that we one the we want to occupy the space and start occupying the process right so that we can um, we can change that you know to whatever do we influence it we can also influence the conversation but also just in a very basic sense it's like um i mean obviously uh, COVID and, and social distancing has, it could have put a kibosh on a lot of the potential of our campaigning, but we were planning to do it in a really different way that wasn't going to be a sham. And I mean, we still are, but just much less robustly than we would have planned. So if we are engaging populations that don't usually vote, that changes things, right? If we are engaging um, the rather than having the Realtors Association and the Chamber of Commerce be basically the organizations that are holding forums and debates and encourage more of, um, like, unfortunately, they had to cancel theirs, but the NAACP 350 Beyond Toxics was going to provide a debate, right, that is um, in a, just a, a much more open forum however i think that we in fact you can see with the chamber of commerce they they wouldn't even allow all candidates they 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 had a selective process for what candidates they would even allow to participate in their version of democracy but in any case if we had publicly funded elections publicly um provided forums for these things that would solve
1: it right
0: yeah what was their process what did you have to do to be included
1: Um, So, there was a questionnaire that was sent out by the Eugene Chamber of Commerce quite a while ago. Uh, It was optional for candidates to complete that. Essentially, they scored the, they as an organization scored the questionnaires uh, determining um, who they should include in their uh, candidate forum based on who they perceived was more likely to be friendly to businesses in the Eugene area. And so I think for me, this circles back around to your other, your previous question, which was why, if you think it's a sham process, would you run um, in the election? And for me, you know, it goes, it, it goes beyond um, in being more inclusive, seeing uh, a wider diversity and range of faces in the voters pamphlet, um, you know, here, uh, inserting a narrative that is maybe alternative to what we would typically, typically see. Um, but it also it also speaks to this uh, this poor level of analysis that we do on just a societal level that we uh, you know that feeds the status quo stream of politicians that we have. Um, me, for instance, like I, I hold a degree in economics. Um, I've been doing economic research for over ten years. Uh, maybe like my ideas on the surface don't sound like something that is business friendly, but I'm thinking in on in terms of systems level and i'm thinking in terms of uh the long game and i very well understand fundamentally uh what the long game looks like for a business from an economics perspective but i was not included in the in the candidate forum for the chamber of commerce because i hold some socialist and anarchist values
2: right
3: rob i as well was um excluded from their platform from, from you know being able to participate on their platform and One of the questions they ask is how will you assure to provide um, tax and like fee policies that will um, allow businesses to be successful? I mean, and the thing is to treat businesses as a monolith. When we have some businesses where the owner makes, what, a hundred times the amount of its um, entry employee, quote unquote, entry employee, usually essential worker, right? So for the city to to, you know, to act as if the city ought to promote such a um, such a sector as a monolith, right, is actually to promote income and wealth disparity, right? And that supposedly goes against the values of both democracy and our stated values as a local city government. So it's just so underhanded, and we won't tolerate it, and therefore they exclude us, and because, you know, they have a lot of power and so many other... Um, you know, media coverage and is not really aided by the government at all, you know, by our public um, entity, right? Um, There's just the the problems go on and on. Yeah.
2: And it's interesting. uh, Go ahead, Ben. Oh, sure. To address, you know, part of your question and and add to uh, what my my fellow candidates say, um, I think we're all running um, for our own reasons. We agree on our platform, um, but... My particular interest in running um, is is really more about raising awareness of issues that I was afraid would not come up in the primary otherwise. There are issues around uh, sort of, as we call it baseline human rights and the way the city um, writes ordinances around uh, the homeless and people uh, who are already struggling that are very troubling to me. And I wanted to make sure that was part of the conversation as we select uh, leaders.
0: Human rights. Yeah. Um, and I see on the platform that, well, obviously housing is one of the biggest issues in, in terms of that. Um, is it something that you guys tend to agree on with it between, between you? I just wonder how much conversation is going on um, amongst you in terms of, uh, when you're running and, and what issues you want, you want to highlight.
1: I love that question, Rob, because uh, one of the things that we came to as a realization, um, you know, a couple meetings into this process of us deciding to work together on this campaign was that we didn't know each other (laughs) before this process. Really, we're not friends. We're not people who've been scheming at this for for years on end. We're just um, fellow citizens of Eugene who Agree on these fundamental, these five fundamental principles, and probably some additional stuff. I've seen good things in other candidates' platforms that I would love to have uh, have grabbed before we uh, we went to the voters' pamphlet. But uh, I, so I think that um, you know, yes, we all agree on the the five basic principle tenets of the solidarity platform. But we also all Um, kind of have our own individual personal focus uh, with regard to the campaign and and the message that we want to convey. So for me, um, you know, the the most central theme of what I hope to convey in my campaign is this idea of decolonization, which I hope is a trigger word for a lot of people and makes them think about it more intensely.
0: I say more about it because it is... um Maybe it will be more triggering when we know more what it means. <laughs>
1: so, so for me, a principle of decolonization is that what we have uh, now is the outcome of a society that has narrowed um, the pr- potential life ways, forms of communication, um, use of language, formal schooling processes, um, almost, not almost, but in, in a sense, like what you see happen in a power vacuum, except that we've never really have that uh, intensely or declaredly so, we just have that as a result of colonization. And um, what that does, ostensibly, is leave us uh, without multiple options uh, and, and multiple ideas, multiple life ways that um, should be included in a, a truly inclusive process um, of society, of culture, of political, organization if we want to achieve the best outcomes Um, you know that's just basic economics social science math 101 you know if you have the most information a diversity of resources a diversity of options then you can utilize what options best suit the outcomes that you're trying to achieve by excluding those options what we have is this like funnel essentially or what i've uh, referred to recently as a drain of all of our potential um you know resilience and safety nets because we are so concentrated and focused into these very narrow um these very narrow niches that don't allow us any flexibility to to improve our outcomes and
0: one example of what that niche a narrow niche might look like what is a
1: sure um Oh, let will see. Without getting myself into trouble.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, oh, it's just it's it's a concept, rather than yeah, I just want to have some some basis.
1: Sure. So, in academia, for instance, uh, if you want to be a published researcher, you really should write in English. Um, and what that ostensibly does is excludes most people who don't have English as a first language and who um, maybe don't have the ling- linguistic skills or or um, access to resources that would allow them to learn English or write in English or maybe they don't have access to a translator who can effectively um, translate their work so in academia the you know the sort of gold standard of whether or not you're a researcher um, or an academic is whether or not you can have your work published and uh, so Simply by ex- by excluding, or or I said, I guess, a devaluing work that isn't published in English, we're excluding whole swaths of people around the globe who have better answers to things like what could we do to attack environmental collapse, what could we do to reorganize our communities to have more food resilience, um, and so not only that, you know, it ostensibly excludes women particularly indigenous ideas and indigenous folk ways, um, which wouldn't, uh, you know, typically be conveyed in, let's say, the King's English.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. In, Go and, ahead. And, and Rob, I think on that, like something I think of that just, it's just totally in my craw is we have the steam plant building and the land around it that we, the city is poised to gift that building plus $4 million dollars to to the same developers who tried to steal Keezy Square. They're four white, some of the richest people in Eugene, right? Okay. Men, right? So they're going to gift the building and the land plus throw in four million dollars, right? And we're the public in exchange is going to get some unstated level of access to the building. It's going to be a private building for the most part where they'll rent offices, etc. But the, you know, we might have some access to the lobby or the atrium. Maybe there'll be a fee for it. I don't know. Those terms aren't clear. The terms that have become more clear is that it's going to be gifted and, four, and likely $4 million thrown in, right? Imagine if we didn't just solicit among you know, these architects and developers, right? Imagine if we went to the Kalapulia people, right? This is prime real estate on the riverfront and we have the river festival. Eugene puts on the river festival every year and says, you know, acknowledges the Kalapulian people and how important the river was to them. Imagine if we didn't give this this uh, riverfront real estate to four white male developers, you know, men, rich developers and just you know, who are very much into the like this is how you develop a city properly, da da da, right? (laughs) So like I mean it's how are they
0: even justifying that? Are they looking for a tax base out of it or something?
3: Um I mean always you know, one, they're saying, oh the building needs repair. Okay. But you didn't even solicit outside this realm. You know what I mean? There's lots of creative thinking. Mm -hmm. One, and two um, I mean, they always talk about the tax base, which is always, when you're throwing in free real estate and $4 million, and even if you weren't, you're always talking about trickle-down economics, right? Yeah. But the benefit is that we will have access to, you know, maybe atrium access to a beautiful building,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? That's going to be, on, you know, so... So yeah, it, it just so many endless examples, but it's just intolerable to me, you
1: know. To reiterate, the one concept of development that we're willing to accept as a city, as a city, the one um, push toward development that or model toward development that we're willing to accept is one that one costs billions of dollars or millions of dollars. Two isn't necessarily, or um, generally speaking, environmentally uh, stable or sustainable or friendly. Um, Three, how sustainable is it in the long term? Is it regenerative to our economic uh, position as a city um, does it does it inherently is it inclusive to marginalized people, women, people of color, um, indigenous folks? working class people, people who are poor, are homeless people going to be excluded from that area as well? Um, you know, so so these are the kind of questions that, you know, that concept of decolonization brings up. And I love how Zondi always uh, brings it back to some concrete example of what we're doing in this city. Thank you. Um, really.
3: seriously, I, I think if unhoused people go near that building, it's not going to be like a friendly public asset.
0: Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, um, let's at least uh, wrap up uh, I mean, there's lots we can talk about, obviously, but this election process is uh, something I'm curious about. And besides doing interviews like this and getting in the voters' pamphlet, um, and you're being excluded from some forums, um, how how are you planning to get your voice out there?
3: Well, I think I was going to say that originally, I think I know that part of my thought was we would have speakouts. And um, so they would be literally in public places in parks and different neighborhoods, et cetera, and have it. Um, I have a great friend who he takes to um, Burning Man every year, his pizza van, right. And he would have made pizza for people and just tried to, you know, make it free events that there's some, um, you know, festivity to it and you really open the conversation. But I would also have hoped that like DSA and Sunrise and, you know, different organizations would host forums and debates. And so, in terms of what we have now, um, I mean, it's it's difficult for me because uh, with the the social distancing and where my family's at, it's just you've changed the dynamic quite a bit. So I'm doing far less than I would.
0: It's hard now. to mobilize. It's hard to mobilize people under this um, situation. I mean, I know it might it might have played into why Bernie Sanders pulled out of his campaign. You know, it's just and but still. So to be populist, I guess to have the try to get the people, enough people behind you, whether it be letters or write-ins or petitions, yeah. or, uh, you know, there are ideas that need, I'm glad you're, you're putting forth and they're obviously not in the mainstream.
2: May I add too, I, I don't think this campaign will um, be determined a success or a failure by how, how many votes we pull in at the polls. I think this is really about um, the beginning of a conversation, expanding that conversation, um, being here next time uh, in two years when there's more local elections, and four years, and hopefully building numbers over time. And opportunities like this one, uh, Rob, you know, will help us reach ears that we otherwise might not have. Um, so I'm less concerned about um, where where we might be polling, and and primarily feeling like just appearing in the voters' pamphlet at all is is going to uh, grab some attention and, and bring some eyes to issues that otherwise might have gone completely uncovered in this primary.
0: Um, I, I imagine that costs something. Do you have to do pay something to be yeah, in there?
2: That's actually, a, I'm really glad you asked that. It's $100 to um, appear in the voter's pamphlet with an explanation of who you are. And um, that is is kind of an example of something that Zandi was talking about earlier. Of um, putting up barriers between us, people who live here and their government. Um, I imagine it's it's going to be harder for some people to scrape together $100 for that um, than it would be for others. And so that, that barrier should be removed um, yeah. immediately.
3: And to that end, there's a really important mayoral candidate, Robert Patterson, who is not in the voters pamphlet, and he can say what he wants to as to why he's not in it. But everybody should know to look at Robert Patterson and his website, he's a mayoral candidate, and they're very important.
1: I yeah um, and and going back to the web um you know the, the it, it's not advantageous that we're all experiencing a pandemic currently <laughs> for sure, but in a sense it's almost had a a leveling effect on our ability to campaign with uh, um you know counter other more establishment candidates you know we have our website solidarity platform dot org um that is you know just a basic overview and, and it is growing and changing um, regularly and as we add more content so people can reach out to us there um, the you know unintended advantage of everybody social distancing and being at home is that so much of what we do as a society has gone into you know the the technoscape uh, essentially so a lot of what's being done is being done on social media so i think that uh eugene voters can expect to see more of a presence uh from the solidarity platform um through the social media platforms that are available to us and um we and so my intention is to start having um you know mini chats or or town hall chats and then another thing i'm doing just to occupy space uh, you know sort of in the vein and and uh, spirit of this campaign and platform is you can just look for me in the comments section. (laughs) Um, If there's something that we've been excluded from or something that, um, you know, for instance, the City Club Forum was, uh, you know, a great platform that I'm so grateful to the City Club for being inclusive of everybody who's running in the campaign, but it was nine minutes, very quick questions uh, very short response time and opportunity and so nine minutes they, for
0: the for the whole thing or individuals got nine for minutes? the
1: individuals every individual got nine minutes but there were six questions and we had one minute to respond to each uh, each question um, so you know for somebody who's a little like long-winded and thoughtful when she speaks like <laughs> me that doesn't really that kind of uh, a forum doesn't really work Um, which speaks back to, of course, the central focus of me trying to run in this campaign, which is that we have a linear language culture and for whatever reason we do that, that is a really narrow uh, swath of people who participate in that. Most people actually communicate uh, in a more verbal fashion.
0: (laughs) Can you clear up something for me? Because I'm not sure about this. When there are multiple candidates for something, how does the runoff, how how does the, uh, somebody doesn't get 50% how does that work? Is it multiple, uh, is it the top two then run in the fall or is it, do, what's, is there a viability level or does everybody get to run again? How does that work?
3: There is no viability level. So for example, I mean, Mayor Vinnie's could, it took, could, you know, with so little percentage of the population voting, she can easily just be the only um, candidate on the ballot come November. Um, but yeah, it's basically if you um, if you get fifty percent or more, then you are the only name on the ballot for your position in November. And if you if you don't get fifty percent, then just the top two.
2: It is the top two. Yeah, I would say that you know the way it's structured, then like a vote for any solidarity candidate is a vote that slows an incumbent down from reaching you know the the critical mass they need to take it in May. So our presence here, I think, is uh, important to highlight for that reason.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. you should be able to vote with your heart in the primary or whatever this is and and vote for the person rather than be having a fear vote against somebody else.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just simple just if you want to have a choice, then I mean like for at the mayoral level, if you want to have a choice and proper time to actually. Vet candidates get the know get to know them, have the word get out I mean there is no proper time even i mean actually um, with with the system says it's set up and media coverage on un, unlike yours and unlike KPWs. but the um the but just vote for anyone other than mayor Minnie's, take your pick of who you like
0: yeah I mean zoom you know who everybody's doing zoom these days i mean it's pretty democratic, I would think, in terms of you could have a a zoom forum you know, once a week or whatever for, for a month before the election, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, in a way, this pandemic has has uh, increased democracy in a way because, you know, even musicians, you know, anybody can go on live and play, you know, you don't have to sell out a 90,000, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you there's a there's a way that we needed this, <laughs> this time out.
1: <laughs> um, yes, you know, so I, yes. yeah, so... That is uh, something that I've been ruminating on for a few days is just how um, crystal clear, you know, and, and, um, and just evident that it is um, because of this pandemic, how um, intrinsically linked we are as humans to one another how a harm to one of us is uh, potentially a harm to us all. And so um, everybody being able, well, hopefully, I mean, there's essential workers and, and we know who those people are, working class people who still have to go to work to provide the services and, and make sure that the goods are available to everybody else. But for those of us who are fortunate to work at home and for everybody else who is for, uh, in various stages, one reason or another uh, forced to be at home, um, you know we now have time to sit and reflect and consider what that really means, um, so so I think that I hope that people will take this opportunity to question whether or not the path that we're on is one that we want to uh, to reinvoke when um, the shelter in place orders start to lift, or if we want to consider uh, pursuing another path that is is more humane um, and is more considerate of the fact that we're all one species (laughs) on one sphere.
3: And Rob, if if it's okay to, um, if we have a little time to spend, I mean, I would just love to be sure that everybody knows that the current climate action plan is a plan to fail. And this is totally unacceptable. The city has spent $450,000 to come up with a plan to fail, and several years to come up with a plan, I mean, years and years, to come up with a plan to fail and it is totally unacceptable. And the what needs to happen, frankly, is for the staff, the city staff, not to be in charge of devising the plan, but actually for local representatives from local climate organizations, um, people who have committed their lives to this and are not working for a big man system, right, to devise the plans. And th- those representatives should be elected, I think, within the organizations themselves, and the city staff be at service to them, Right, but the city staff has proven inadequate for devising a plan. I um, so one, I, think that- I did interview
0: I- some people from the community rights group, and uh, mm-hmm. I believe they took them to task on their plan and got at least. I'm not. I think we're in a a, a period now where they're revising it. I'm not sure what the new deadline is for.
1: Why do we have a political system that requires people who do boots on the ground work and who are actually dedicated to making things happen in an effective manner um, approach politicians and representatives begging for a compromise to make things a little bit better?
3: Absolutely. Exactly what Candice has said. And it is in a revision process and what Candice just stated. Oh, so you have all these amazing boots on the ground, activists, volunteers saying, here, you could do this, here, you can do this. And I'll tell you right now, they are, um, it, it, where they always have to stand is to say, oh boy, do we, you know, take a little from the city in the hope for getting a little bit more in the future, but of course with climate, that, that makes zero sense. But um, so I know in this current revision process, which is just a couple, it's going on right now and it's just a couple months long, it's, it's not in a good place right now. I and mean, we can go into the details of that or not, but then also on human rights, you know, the, the mayor or, or any, or um, the city councilors, they will constantly refer to the TAC plan, the technical assistance collaborative, Um, This is, you know, a three to five year plan. It is also completely inadequate. So whenever people hear, oh, the tech, the the technical assistance collaborative or or, we have Mm -hmm. this plan and we're going to have, oh, guess what, a 75 bed shelter. 75 bed shelter isn't going to do jack relative to the extent of the problem. 332.
1: uh 332 unhoused people per every 10,000 people for the city. Of I think Ben had an interjection. I'm sorry, Zonda, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, but it looks like Ben is jumping at the bit. Okay, yeah.
2: Zondi, are you done? No,
3: go for
2: it. Oh, I was going to say to add to all this, um, you know, I, I go to city council meetings. Um, I, I go to the Monday night ones. Um, I'm noticing a trend where the city appears to me to be turning away from criticism. So Zondi points out ways in which like our city is not uh, uh, on track to meet its its climate goals, the climate goals it's set for itself. Well, a lot of people come uh, Monday nights to address their concerns and put forward uh, new solutions that have not been considered. And um, the the city council very often just rat, uh, stares uh, straight ahead and accepts this sort of uh, flood of, of comment, but, but rarely addresses it. And recently made changes to the public forum rules. And those rules, uh, the rule changes were couched as uh, providing a more welcoming environment. But if you were at that meeting, you understand that the city was talking about this, the counselors were all talking about this in terms of, of, of how irritating it is to be kept late at night by <clears throat> crowds of people who wish to talk about uh, the environment or their concerns about um, uh, homelessness and how the city is treating it. Um, so so to add to what Candace and Zondias uh, have, have said already is I think a city council that is not listening with all of its attention um to these concerns
0: so they w- these rules were not positive ones in your mind
2: well it changes to guess how they're going to shake out um, but what i thought was really um revealing was that they were couched they were they were sort of explained as how to create a more welcoming environment and in fact the register guard uh covered this in the, in the same exact language that the city used and it's you know press release i'm sure um, but what I'm saying is there was like a really marked difference in the way the city was, or the, the reasons the city was citing for making these changes. Uh, Chris Pryor, who is not seeking re-election, <coughs> pointed out that he just finds it irritating when lots of people sign up and, and in row sort of add to each other's commentary about like, um, for example, climate concerns, which many of us understand are are very serious.
0: Yeah um is there a way to stream I, I i can understand if people are getting up and kind of s- saying the same thing over and over again i don't well, know if that i don't
2: think that's so much the issue is not that these people are being repetitive so much as that it's a city it's, it's a public servant's job to listen to the public and respond meaningfully to those concerns okay. and I mean, what i heard at that meeting where they were discussing the rule changes however those rule changes You know affect who comes out i mean the city was the city council was speaking about it very differently um in that meeting than the proposed idea which was to create a more welcoming environment
0: i see yeah
3: and 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 rob the they had they had allowed three minutes and three minutes was very little time and so actually like what 350 regularly did and others other organizations did or just individuals did was to coordinate to to go in a row so that you could have a qualitative message you know right. and just pass it to the next speaker and so they undermined that right it was like this people were trying to make the system work for them and b- abide by the, by the rules and they undermined that
0: yeah i mean like in congress where they they concede my time. I'm going to give my time over to this person. You know, it does. It takes longer than three minutes to make an argument sometimes. Yeah.
1: Sure. I just want to add. You know, an, an easy solution to that is just add some staff to the Eugene City Council and 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 Mayor's office to review comments and and respond to people's uh, comments in different formats. Um, you know, I know that if I want to communicate with my uh, city council, I would have to show up at a Monday night meeting. Well, I have a big family and a small child don't like to leave her on monday evenings after i've been at work all day and that is not a welcoming environment for parents um and it's not a welcoming environment for working class people it's not a welcoming environment for unhouse people
0: um what what would be maybe what would what would you do send them send them a a message Sure. i
1: mean First thing you know so what I do now when I want to communicate with the city council or any of my elected representatives is I draft a letter and I find maybe ten at least other people who agree with me, and we draft that letter together, we sign it, we circulate it around our various um, you know communities and and get as many people as we can to sign on. We release it publicly we tag our elected representatives in those. Um, in those documents, uh, just so that we can have access to a system which we are
2: essentially excluded from. Right. Can I add um, also um, kind of to your point, Rob, about how it could be rather exhausting and, and perhaps irritating to, to hear sort of repetitive um, public testimony. Uh, I, I first encountered Zandi Zinke at the public forum to talk about the payroll tax. And that crowd of Zondi, can you guess or do you remember how many people were there roughly?
3: Yeah, I don't know. 80? I don't know. But I think gonna...
2: 100. Let's, can we just okay. guess? We're was the 100. room
1: full? Was 200? It was more than full. Right.
2: It, was, it was, yeah, it was standing room only. And that crowd was 99% against it. And that, I'm sorry, 98 to 90. Like it was, it was strongly opposed to yeah. um, to the payroll tax. So having that many people there and, that, and those numbers... Um, It does take a long time to get through their testimony, and some of it probably does repeat, but hopefully a crowd that size shouldn't be discouraged from coming to to express their strong feelings about, you know, $23 million worth of spending that's going to come out of the, the paychecks of some of the people in the city who make, you know, barely enough to scrape by already.
0: Agreed, yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. And, and, and in terms of undermining democracy, that what Ben's been talking about to limit and control, hyper control the public forum and limit it is one thing. But the construction excise tax, the city did a poll and they asked people what their primary concerns were. The largest category of people said unhoused, un- homelessness. Right. They wanted to address homelessness. What did the city do? And four and percent said the smallest was um, was public safety. In between there, there were traffic congestion concerns. What did the city do? Unilaterally enacted a payroll tax and gave 80% of the funding towards the criminalization end of things and just 7% towards homelessness services. So they flipped the will of the people.
1: Which wasn't articulated in the bill, by the way. That
3: doesn't get articulated like that in the bill. And (laughs) then let's not forget that they also undermined the will of the people. When you look at the elected auditor, the citizens initiative for an elected auditor, all the effort that took and they undermined it with the sneaky move of referring, you know, to split the vote, you you know, that's disgusting. And I don't want to hear again that we are a liberal city because we are not with these people in power.
0: Yeah. Good points. Oh, um, I think we should probably start to close it up, but let's go, let's take it around one more time and and, uh, maybe each of you sort of give a little any last little thoughts and, and ways people can keep track of what, you know, any online presence you, you might have individually or as a group. Um, um, so why don't you, and yeah, we've touched on some of the, some of your platform, which I know climate, human rights, uh, Reg-
1: regenerative economics,
0: regenerative economics, uh, and power democracy.
1: Exactly. And decolonization. And decolonization.
0: Um, but let's take it around. We'll go Candace, Ben and, and and, uh, and Zandi uh, just yeah I guess final statements I don't know okay. uh, some, something that uh, that you want to leave uh, people with
1: so I'm Candace King I uh, work in housing I am running for the city council position um, for ward one I encourage folks to check out our website uh, SolidarityPlatformEugene.org. eugene.org um, they and and to look further through if you're interested in um, understanding how I approach policy building and analysis you could check out the affordable housing trust fund committee set of recommendations that I wrote um, recently and uh, the city was receptive to um, let's see I'm so glad that Rob is a good editor. Thank
0: you, Rob. Uh, <laughs> all the pauses have begun. No, that's
1: all. No, not all of them, but certainly right. the, this lack of fluidity. <laughs> I just want to encourage Eugenians to question whether or not the processes uh, that we have that solidify our systems in the way that we're going is the way that we want to continue to go. We are a city apart. I moved here because this is a special place, not because um, it should just be like everywhere else. And so should we do business as usual like everywhere else or should we decide to take on a different path? Um, If that's something that you're interested in doing, vote for either myself or my fellow candidate Leah Williams for Ward 1 and we promise to work toward that end.
0: Thanks, Ben.
2: Uh, yes, um, <clears throat> I'm Ben, uh, Ben Ricker. I, I'm running because several years ago, I uh, was a news reporter here and I spoke with the mayor then about um, the ordinance to ban dogs from, from downtown Eugene. And when, when the city enacted that and, and tried it for a few months, I remember thinking, I, I really want this to stick to the mayor's shoe and I want her to have to answer for, for policies like it. Um, before she's reelected, I think that runs counter to the her sort of progressive um, facade. Uh, I think the mayor of Eugene should always oppose policies that uh, target uh, disadvantaged people and criminalize homelessness.
3: Um, Thanks.
0: Go ahead, Zandi. Uh,
3: yeah, I will. Um, say that, first of all, the, I, I hope that, um, I mean, it's something that I hope I can expose to some degree, is the degree to which, even at the local level, the city um, and our electeds, and particularly our mayor, she operates as um, a, she does great public revelations, where she's suggesting all the time that the government is doing a good job. And I really hope that people will be begin to demand elected officials who speak the truth rather than promote the entity of the government. And so it's, as an example of this, in her State of the City speech, Mayor Vinny's took stock of the progress made on you know the five priorities of the city. One of them on climate, She she took stock, this is just in January, took stock of the progress made. The report that the plan was a plan to fail had already come out and been made clear. That is not okay. Particularly if we think about if she is in earnest, she needs the people to understand that, wow, we're all going to have to participate in some significant changes, right? And two, on homelessness, she says, you know, she acts like, oh, things are improving, right? And and not, not um, exposing, one, that this plan is in an, also an inadequate plan, and also that when they hired those consultants, they specifically instructed them not to weigh in on criminalization, what the city is actively doing that, that deteriorates people's lives more. And in fact, the rhetoric she used was to say that Homelessness is closely tied to public safety. And then she could proceeded to say that we, Eugene, has been under-policed for uh, at least a decade. So that is rhetoric. I, I, I might get blasted for comparing Mayor Vinny's rhetoric to Trump's rhetoric, right? There's really always no comparison to Trump, except if we see it on a continuum to suggest that unhoused people are unsafe to the populace is disgusting and it's wrong and it's hateful. And there is a woman who's been crushed by a garbage truck in this town. Okay. So we know who is unsafe while she was in her sleep. Mm. Okay. It's, you know,
2: not okay. And
3: everybody just proceeds like she's the progressive choice and it's, it is wrong of her to
1: represent herself as such.
0: Yeah. Uh, Candace, you had a comment?
1: I just urge the population to at least hold mayor Venus to, to task with, to please, ask her to stop dog-whistling, classist, ableist, racist um, messages in the seemingly innocuous uh, statements that she's making.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I may say too. Uh, you know, I feel like I, I talk about the dog ban and I sort of leave it there. But um, the <laughs> folks I spoke with as a reporter who were living on the streets all identified really quickly like what was being told to them. They were being told they're not welcome. Here and, and those dogs are safety for them. Those dogs are companionship. The people I spoke with relied on their dogs to like alert them of, of like, you know, oncoming panic attacks and things like that. I mean, it was it was inhumane uh, to go after their dogs and, and to give them no place to be at the same time. Um, I, I apologize. I often speak through the dog ban like everybody agrees with me, but I, I, I know there's some pushback there and I want to make it clear. Um, it was it was clear to me who, who was being targeted with that ordinance.
0: Thank you, guys, all for uh, spending some time and for making the effort to run and and, um, that you care about the city and care about issues, you know, big issues that are facing us. Uh, Not all all of us have the time or the energy to, you know, put our voices out there. So um, keep at it.
1: Well, thank you so much, Rob, for um, giving us the space to communicate our values and to really talk in a more... um, meaningful way about our platform as you can hear yeah. my kid in the background and i just want to say i respect you all so much yeah, <laughs> thank you, exactly. you so much for yeah for doing thank this you, with me yeah
2: I, I could never i could never dream of doing this without uh, my my fellow runners so thank you everyone
0: all right that was uh, some candidates who are running for political office in this season uh, thank you to ben candace and Zandi. Uh, I'm hoping to have a few more political shows coming up as we head towards our primary here in Oregon. Um, This is Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you down the road. Train of Thought can be heard on KEPW 97.3 in Eugene, just also post it on SoundCloud.com/RobTobias. For comments and suggestions, email Rob at RobTobias.com.